how many of you like to eat? Just thought I'd ask. doesn't enjoy a good meal, particularly with friends. Next uh, Sunday, um, after the worship hour, we're going to meet together and we're going to pray together. And uh, we've called it a fast. Maybe that's stretching things. We're not going to eat lunch together. If you want to fast the rest of the day, that's up to you. If you want to or need to go out and have lunch, that's up to you. Um, but I do hope you'll come and pray with us. And I'll try to make that clear why we're doing that a little bit later on this morning. Fasting is a very uh, popular phenomenon today. Um, a lot of people fast, and they fast for a lot of reasons. Dr. Alan Cott wrote a book, Fasting the Ultimate Diet. I don't know if you can read all these, but here's, here's some of the reasons we fast. Number one, weight loss. It's kind of obvious, you know, to feel better, to look better, younger, save money. If you're not buying food, you're saving money. Um, resting, where did I, cleaning out our body, lowering blood pressure, cholesterol, digesting better, relieving tension, sleep better, sharpen our senses, boost self-esteem, share with the hungry, and even receive spiritual revelation. That's why people are fasting today. Um, I, I hear that Buddhists fast a lot. However, I've seen pictures of Buddha. I don't think he ever came close to one. Well, is that what we're talking about when we talk about Christians fasting? No. Um, none of these. None of them. Let me give you some uh, examples of fasting throughout the scriptures. And what I'm going to do first is just, uh, here's, a, here's a list of, of people, a partial list of people who fasted in the scriptures. Um, you can read them, There's, that's quite a, quite a list. Um, I'm also going to share with you here in the next couple of frames reasons for for fasting or examples of fasting in scripture now I have down in my notes um, the list of passages and people who fasted and I think I've covered just about every passage in the Bible that talks about fasting I'm not going to preach through those this morning here is a list of the people and let's walk through some of the reasons for fasting. To express grief, uh, just as an example, um, David, in the sickness of his child, fasted. 
uh, David fasted at the death of Saul and Jonathan. Esther was um, called on to, in fact, save her her people, the Israelites, and she she called on them to uh, to pray, to fast. Maybe that belongs in one of these other categories, but there was an expression of grief, uh, but also a number two to seek God's guidance. Esther did. Um, Israel's defeat at the hands of Benjamin, King Jehoshaphat, uh, fasted, facing a hostile army and outnumbered. In the New Testament, in the book of Acts, we have the the disciples fasting when they were to choose um, leaders in the church and when they were to choose their missionaries. They fasted and prayed, and the Holy Spirit said, separate Paul and Barnabas for the work that I have for them to do. So to seek God's guidance is another reason for fasting, a biblical reason. A third reason, and this probably is more prominent than all the others, just simply remorse for sin, sorrow for sin, um, and perhaps within that as well, uh, prayer to hold back God's judgment. Uh, Samuel and all Israel prayed that King Ahab Amazingly, very godless and evil king, when he was confronted with a situation he couldn't answer, he, he fasted on his knees in, in, in prayer and tears. Uh, Ezra, at the time of, of the exiles coming back into the land and when they had uh, joined in marriage, uh, intermarriage with some of the um, uh, foreign women, uh, and calling all of the people to confess and pray, he fasted. Uh, Nehemiah, Jeremiah, and Baruch. Um, Daniel fasted. Joel. Um, Jonah, when he finally went to Nineveh, I don't know who taught them, but the whole city of Nineveh, beginning with the mayor, the leader of that city-state, uh, invited all of <laughs> commanded all of the nation, uh, that city-state, to pray and to fast. Sometimes it's just to express a very, very deep petition. Uh, Ezra, when he set out um, taking the exiles out of uh, the foreign land back to Israel, um, prayed for safe travels. Why was that such a deep petition? Well, there were a lot of dangers on the way. And he said... um, I think it would be a, a bad thing to go to the king whom I, I told the king that we were on our way and God was with us and God was going to protect us. Now to go back to the king and ask for protection and armies with us wouldn't be right. So he, he prayed and fasted. Nehemiah at the broken walls of Jerusalem just expressed a grief in prayer and fasting. Um, another foreign, godless king, King Darius, when when he had thrown Daniel into the den of lions because he made an edict and didn't think about it, that king fasted all night and prayed for Daniel. Um, four more uh, this morning, just reasons to fast. One is just simply to express, express praise and joy and peace and to worship God. Um, Zechariah the prophet records this. 
Another example of that is in the New Testament, the birth account of Jesus when when uh, Joseph and Mary brought Jesus into the, into the temple and there was the older woman, Anna, um, just fasting in prayer, worshiping the Lord. Um, another reason is to impact the community um, along with justice. Uh, David, uh, David prayed for that in Psalm 35 and in Zechariah chapter 7 we have uh, record of that. Um, in fact, David said, even my in Psalms in Psalm 35, my enemies mock me and they are after me. And whenever one of my enemies falls or has trouble or a sickness, I fast and pray for my enemies to impact community and to help bring about justice. One of the um, most uh, profound and obvious uh, accounts of fasting is in Isaiah chapter 58. Um, yeah, I think we should turn there this morning. It's a, it's, a, it's a powerful piece, but it's a warning against the wrong kind of fasting. In Isaiah chapter 58, um, Cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression in the house of Jacob their sins. Listen to this. God says, yet my people seek me daily. They delight to know my ways as if they were a nation. You, you, can, you, can, you can see the sarcasm dripping out here. They delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that did righteousness. And did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask me, they ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near me. And here's what they say. Why have we fasted and you do not see it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you, and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. None of that's going on next week. All right? For, for some reason, Israel, when they fasted, it, they saw it kind of as a shortcut to somehow God would bless us. But they don't stop their, their treasonous ways, their ways of fighting with each other. It goes on. Um, in verse 5, God says, is, is this, is such the fast that I choose, a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the God? Is this the fast for the fast that I choose, to loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? It is not... Y'all hear me yet in the back row? Okay. All right. So, 
this week a powerful chapter in which God says, I want you to fast, but this isn't the kind of fast I ask of you. You just do your own thing and play these games you've always played. I want you to humble yourself. I want you to, to impact your neighbor. That's the kind of fast I have for you. Um, number seven is to overcome temptation and, and just give yourself in devotion to God. Here's a, here's a great example of that. Jesus. Came to being tempted in the wilderness. He fasted and he prayed. And then finally, to, to mourn, longing for a bridegroom. That's not what it looks like. Uh, the reason I put that up there is that is uh, that that's found for us in Matthew chapter nine. Um, John's disciples came along and said to John, uh, uh, said to Jesus. Not what he said, but John's disciples came, and sometimes I've taken that passage as if Jesus was speaking to Pharisees or something. It's not. It's to John's disciples, John the Baptist. His disciples came and just honestly wondering, uh, John taught us to fast, Jesus. Why aren't your Why aren't your disciples fasting? And what did Jesus say to them? Well, um, I'm here with them. It's not time to fast. Uh, when, when I leave them, that will be a time to fast and to mourn. So Jesus anticipated a time, not while he was on earth, but later when he was gone. So I, I want you to understand right there that Jesus tied fasting to mourning, M-O-U-R-N, to mourn. Let me just share some uh, observations with you. Um, fasting, we find we find the the word used in relation to the uh, a physical fast, food, about twenty times in the Old Testament, about twenty times in the New Testament, but never does the Bible teach fasting for physical, aesthetic, or diet purposes. Okay. Just want to clarify that. Now, also want to say to you, if you need to fast for those reasons, fast. But don't think you're being spiritual about it. Okay? Um, I was listening to one, uh, uh, Dr. John MacArthur. He said he went into a bookstore and he asked the person, where's the, where's the section on fasting? Of course, they looked him over. Um, and he went there and found books all over the place. Everybody's talking about fasting, writing books on fasting. And for the most part, it has to do with the body beautiful and dieting and all that kind of stuff. That's what people are fasting about today. But that's not a biblical fast or the purpose for it. Uh, secondly, in the, in the, uh, throughout scriptures, there is only one required fast. There is only one required fast in all of scriptures. It's found in that book that we don't often darken, uh, that we don't often uh, bring light to very often. Leviticus chapter 16. It was in the Day of Atonement. And Israel, I want you to fast that Day of Atonement. In fact, when I was looking up in the concordance, I was looking, I was following the word fast or fasting. And that passage never came up. So I was reading later about it, 
and I went to Leviticus 17, it doesn't say anything about fasting. The specific wording says, afflict yourselves, which means a fast. Afflict yourselves, which means it was no glorious thing. Oh, look, I'm fasting to become body beautiful and all this other stuff. Afflict yourselves. Mourn. A third observation, there's many warnings about insincere fasting. I'll call it abusive fasting. A fourth observation is that fasting is never an issue. It isn't brought up in the epistles. Now, when we walk through Scripture and we come to uh, Acts, uh, Paul talks about it in the book of Acts. We find it in the Gospels. But in the epistles, it's not mentioned as something that we should be doing. Uh, Paul mentions on occasion that I have fasted, but it's never recommended. It's never brought up in the epistles. Now, that is something significant for me to look at. Is fasting good? Yeah, can be. Is fasting a necessary part of my spiritual walk with God? doesn't seem so if I look at the epistles. Um, a fellow named uh, Don, I think, Hogner, in his commentary on Matthew, wrote this. No New Testament epistle encourages readers to fast. It is at least clear that the fasting of a disciple who has already in some measure experienced the joy of fulfillment in Christ must be quite different from the fasting of a Jew who grieves over the apparent failure of God to act on behalf of his people. That was the idea of some Jews. God, where are you? Why haven't you come to our aid? Why haven't you helped us? A fifth observation is fasting is a personal, voluntary, heartfelt act. Personal, voluntary. The more I read about fasting here, um, the less I became convinced that that we should proclaim a fast as a church. Okay? Um, and that's why I'm saying be careful about next week. Now, if you disagree so much with us about fasting, you don't even want to come. <laughs> next week is about prayer. We are going to together forego a meal. I'm not dictating that you fast for that day. I will never dictate that you fast. Fasting is personal, voluntary, heartfelt. But, but listen to this from David um, Mathis. Fasting is a desperate measure for desperate times among those who know themselves desperate for God. And that's probably one of the, one of the, the, the best explanations or encouragements about fasting. Fasting is a desperate measure. It's not normal. For desperate times, I don't know of a time in history that was not desperate among those who know themselves desperate for God. I'm going to share with you a couple of um,
warnings, all right? Do not fast as a blank check to gain God's favor or to get. Let me read a, a prayer from a rabbi. Um, I think he he shared this as a prayer that a, a prayer that that Jews should use. Um, prayer on a fast day, Master of the universe, you know that during the time the holy temple stood, a person who sinned could bring an offering, and nothing except the blood and fat was offered. And in your great mercy, you would grant atonement. And now I have fasted and diminished my fat and my blood. May it be your will that the diminishment of my fat and my blood be as if I offered it before you on the altar, and may you show me favor. I think that's a little bit contorted. It's like I've poured out my own self-sacrifice. So Lord, now you've got to favor me. Do not fast insincerely with mere show and tradition and words. I'll show you an example of that shortly. Do not preach anti-food to support fasting. I've heard this a lot. Do not preach anti-food. Uh, people that get carried away with their preaching of fasting to the point where they will, they will say, well, food isn't good for you anyway, and What about that thing where Jesus said to pray, give us this day our daily bread? One rabbi suggested that we are going to stand before God and answer for the fact of all the good food we did not eat. So you can imagine someone that buys into that, going to a restaurant, looking at the menu and say, one of each, okay? No. And finally, just a, a word of warning. Maybe this doesn't even necessarily need to be here on our talking about fasting, but avoid, avoid extremes of overindulging, that's gluttony, or underindulging, that's anorexia. The only way I can say that belongs in this area of fasting is, again, not for spiritual reasons other than if, if you need to fast um, to care for your body, which is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 because uh, it's in this passage that, that Jesus talks about fasting and gives us some instruction there. But before we get to Matthew 6, we stop at Matthew 5.20, and Jesus makes a um, really incredible statement here. In 5.20, he says, um, and I think maybe even in the hearing, this is his uh, Sermon on the Mount, the, the crowds, so even some of them may have heard, but he said, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What in the world? Our righteousness should be even better than the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees? Well, in, in chapter 6, we read some things um, that Jesus talked about. There were, 
there were three aspects of showing their righteousness that Pharisees embraced. And they are these, uh, giving of alms, prayer, and fasting. These three, these are the foundational elements to righteousness. And you'll see them throughout Scripture. Alms, actually giving to the poor. Um, prayer and fasting. These three were absolutely necessary. Um, so what, what did Jesus say about these three? The, the first one he addresses in chapter 6, verse, um, verse 2 Verse 1, overall, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father as in, as in heaven. First, he had said your righteousness must go beyond the Pharisees and, and, and the scribes. Now he's saying, but don't, don't follow what they do. Don't merely do it in the open, because these three, they love to do in the open. They loved to let people know how much money they were giving. They loved to, to, to watch people, to, to have people watch them. Lord, I'm thankful that I'm not like this guy. Remember that one? Um, several years ago, we were in Lincoln, and several of us couples were at a hotel for a weekend. Ord Morrow from Back to the Bible spoke with us. And he was addressing some of this. He got to this area of giving. And he said his his son played trumpet. So one day, or maybe he was talking about a friend who's yeah, a friend whose son played trumpet. So his friend was preaching on giving and alms and doing it in secret. And he had his son in the middle of the worship service stand up, blow his trumpet, give kind of a bugle call there, and say, "I'm putting in twenty bucks." Must have scared the whole church. Uh, I don't know if it helped their offering that morning or not, but. Jesus said, um, Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, if they have received their reward, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That's kind of impossible. Obviously he's saying, be it secret. So that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. That's about giving. Secondly, he talks about praying. Verse 5, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Who are these hypocrites he's talking about? The Pharisees and the scribes. By the way, if any of you were involved in any kind of um, uh, acting and plays in school at any time, yeah, you guys are hypocrites. <laughs> That's where this word came from. And it was not a negative thing back then. It was one who played a role that it wasn't really them. They were playing the role. And in fact, if you did that well, if you did it weller than others, then you were considered really good. Well, now that word became you know, as someone who's pretending to be someone they aren't. You hypocrites. They, they love to stand and pray in the synagogue, the street corners, to be seen by others. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will, will reward you. You notice the uh, repetition there? And then he teaches them 
what we call the Lord's Prayer. And then to verse 16, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. Um, they like to disfigure. In fact, someone wrote, ironically, the hypocrites made themselves unrecognizable in trying to be recognized. They, they made their face they, just horrible. They just, so everybody knew they were fasting. For they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. That's all they're getting. But when you wash, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The Pharisees did their righteousness ostentatiously, out front, show for a show to be seen and applauded. By the way, in these um, 18 verses, the first 18 verses of chapter 6, the word Father is uh, written there 10 times. Meaning those who were hypocrites and pretending to do stuff, they didn't have a relationship with Father. They were... They were um, um, applying what they thought to be law, and they were worshiping this law. They were so steadfast about the law, but they 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 didn't have the relationship with their father as believers do. Then he said, "When you fast." Um, some people say Jesus didn't say here if you fast. He said when you fast, so he commanded it. Well, it's not a command. Uh, it's not an, a, a command. It's not a prerequisite. It is an assumption, perhaps. Whenever you do this, this is how you do it. Uh, Craig Blomberg, in his book on Matthew, wrote, Jesus apparently did not give this uh, spiritual discipline a high priority, especially during ministry, but he did anticipate that it would occur, occur later, as I just mentioned about um, when John's disciples came Jesus said, I'm here, we're, we're, we're rejoicing, but when I'm gone, they will mourn. Alfred Plummer wrote these words, the light of Christian character, I think I have got this on the screenplay, the light of Christian character will shine before men and, and win glory for God without the artificial aid of public advertisement. Ostentatious religion may have its reward here, but it receives none from God. So I'm going to wrap up with these, uh, these three thoughts this morning. The word prompt, the word privacy, and the word purpose when it comes to reason for fasting. Number one, prompt. Let the Holy Spirit prompt your fast. All right? Not because you read something. Uh, not because someone else said, hey, you need to fast. Let it be from the Holy Spirit. And here's some reasons for it. Perhaps from sorrow or grief for yourself, for others, or grief for your nation. Good reason to fast. Another is for awareness of sin, humiliation. We saw that throughout the Old Testament, especially in that book, in the book of Leviticus, that day of, uh, of atonement. Afflict yourselves. 
another rabbi in a book called The Book of Our Heritage wrote this, one who fasts and spends the day idly without repentance misses the point. He is emphasizing fasting, which is secondary, and de-emphasizing repentance, which is primary. And third, fasting from fear, that is for protection, to ask God to hold back judgment, perhaps on our nation. Let the Holy Spirit of God prompt you. And when he prompts you, be obedient. Secondly, privacy. Don't advertise your fast. Hey, I'm fasting. Meaning, hey, look at me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a real spiritual person. Don't do that. Fasting involves a humbling. David wrote this in Psalm 69, in denying of self. Um, New Testament. In in Matthew 9, showed that it was connected to mourning. Privacy. Let the Spirit of God prompt you, but do it in private. It's your own time with God. All right? Privacy. And I don't even mind if you have a, a study group, a class, and you study together about fasting. That's fine. When you say, now we're going to get together and we're going to fast, be careful about that. Encourage them Privately, if they together say, let's, let's do this, but don't require it of people. Prompt, uh, privacy, and the third word is purpose. Listen to this. Fast because of, not so that. Does that come across clear? It's not, it's not something that I choose to do. It's something that I cannot avoid when the Holy Spirit prompts me. Fasting is a response, not an inducement, a response. The reason I say because of is I fast because of my sin that has overwhelmed me. I, sin, I fast because of the, the sin of my nation which has overwhelmed me. Um, I fast because I, I, I just want to be with the Lord in this sense, private, alone with Him. Some talk about avoiding food so that it heightens your awareness of other things, be that as it may, and I think there's something to that. But the desire is to come before God uh, alone and as a response. Not to say, now you owe me something. I've done this real spiritual act, God, now you owe me something. Fast to deny yourself so that you can embrace God. I have not nearly covered everything there is to for us to talk about when it comes to fasting. Why are we going to do this next week? I have two reasons. Purpose of prayer, fasting at Grace Bible Church. I'm talking about next week specifically. To become aware of our desperate need for God's guidance individually, as a church, 
as a community, as a nation. Sorry about all those uh, speaking in tongues of signs there. That was supposed to be numbers one, two, three, four. Our computer back there didn't like my writing. To become aware of our desperate need. We want to do that next week. To, to proclaim to God together, we are desperate. We live in desperate times. And we need that guidance individually. We need that guidance as a church. Are we As we are in this interim time, we are anticipating God sending a, a man here to be our pastor. Um, as a community, we see the, the, the great needs in Topeka. And as a nation, I don't have to convince you of our desperate need for God in this nation. But secondly, the, the purpose of prayer and fasting at Grace Bible Church next week is to encourage each other individually to consider making fasting a part of my personal time with God. I'm not going to demand it. I'm not going to schedule it. I'm going to encourage it. And you make it a part of your life or not in some other way in your worship of God. But that's... That's between you and him. I trust you'll join us next week and as desperate people crying out to God. Father, thank you for your word. We've, we've gone so quickly over so many passages. Lord, as we read those passages about your people who... Um, honestly and with no deceit came before you in fasting. We see their hearts. We see their hearts broken for the things that break your heart. And we pray, Father, that our heart would be broken for the things that break your heart. Our own personal sins, the sins of our nation, may we be broken. Humble us, Father, if, if this would be a, a part of uh, someone's life here today, that your Holy Spirit would do that prompting and that we would be obedient. Father, at the same time, we thank you for food that you give us. We thank you for the good things of life we can enjoy. We thank you that at times we can put those aside simply to concentrate on a relationship with you, which is primary, which is our life, our very life. In Christ's name we pray.